Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler classic, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute screen time per episode. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm the creator of Bull Durham Minute. I'm the host of Locked On MLB. And I do a lot of different things. I've done stuff. Look me up. Some of you might be impressed. Some of you might say, eh. On today's episode, we're talking about Minute 123, which opens with Peggy saying she needs guts for what she's about to do and ends with Millie asking Peggy if she has been seeing the married Fred Derry. Well, someone who I know is married, but not to Millie or Peggy or anyone else in here is my dear friend, of many years and someone who is as big a lover of any classic movie of any genre from any country he knows more than me and i know a lot all the way from colorado it's brother scott michael pomerink how are you brother scott michael i am great silly i don't know that i know more than you but uh that's a nice thing to say i'm very excited to be back here I think you have a wider knowledge. I think I'm more concentrated on something. I think you have a bigger uh, grasp on certain foreign genres. Just last episode, you casually brought up uh, some Indian cinema, which I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm not very knowledgeable of. So I think that if I what I know concentrated, I may know more, but you are more uh, versatile. How about that? Okay. Well, yeah, that, that may, be, may be true. Let me put it this way. We're we're both good people to have in a pinch if the topic of movie trivia comes up. Indeed. That is very true. Uh, I'm just going to address this right up the top. Your brother, Scott Michael Pomerick, what does the brother mean? What what does the the title brother mean? That's a great question. Uh, That means that I am a a friar. Uh, I am in vowed religious life in the Episcopal Church. Uh, I'm in a religious community called the Brotherhood of St. Gregory, which is a canonically recognized community in the Episcopal Church. It means that I've taken vows to uh, uh, to be devoted to God, um, to, to put it very simply. Um, I've taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, although those vows are interpreted a little more broadly than people might be used to thinking of them. Um, I am married and I have two young children. Um, so you can guess that uh, a vow of chastity does not include celibacy, for instance. Um, I was about to say, if, 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 if it did, you have some explaining to do. Indeed. Um, so uh, that is being uh, part of that Vowed life is uh, uh, just one of the greatest joys in my life, and uh, it's something that's very important to me. Well, I've known you for a long time, and I haven't seen you in person for a while. Uh, yeah. But I've been, you know, keeping tabs on you with uh, my elaborate spying system called Facebook. But uh, I've never seen you this happy, man, and it's a wonderful thing to see. It's a wonderful. Oh, thank you, man. It's all, you know, it's different paths. It's it's like you have different calling plans. It's different roads, but you're getting to the destination which we all want to get to, which is 
happiness in your life and happiness with your family. So yeah, uh, absolutely. You and I are taking different paths. Obviously, I'm a mercenary who spends most of his time with blood on my hands and 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 <laughs> causing harm and damage in in some of the most war torn areas of the world. But that's what that's how I find joy and peace. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was uh, first time when I first met you. You were a man with a gigantic Conan O'Brien shock of red hair, and to yeah. see you with nothing on top is uh caught me off guard not gonna lie to you it caught me off guard but you you, you wait, let me put that your happiness wears it well your happiness well wears thank it. you it's and, much easier to take care of than that <laughs> uh, big shock of red hair but it was beautiful red hair you i mean it was it was a, it i i must have pictures of it because we spent way too much time in high oh, school sure. but there it was a beautiful head of hair and i hope that you i'm sure you have video of it I'm sure that's something you and I used to make video. I mean, this is now everyone with a phone and iMovie does what we do. But back in the eighties, you had to really want to do this because there was no easy way to hard work. Yeah. It was hard work to make videos. And, um, while I love that anyone with an iMovie suddenly thinks they're Francis Ford Coppola, um, I kind of liked when it was the people who made the videos where people look and go like, we're doing this, aren't we? I mean, it, it took, it, it took extra effort, I think. And I, and it weeded out people who didn't want to really put in that effort. Right. Yeah. Well, you and I did and you and I made the effort and uh, I'm going to say it. We had guts and someone else who had guts was Peggy who at this point, wants to break up the marriage of Fred Derry, not Fred Berry, who played rerun on what's <laughs> happening. No, no, no. This is Dana Andrews' character. Uh, quick question for you, actually. Uh, when did you first see, what is your relationship to this film? Did you see this when you were in high school or college? Did you see this much later? When? When is your relationship with this picture? Uh, so probably about 20 years ago, um, it would have been uh, no later than 2002, uh, and probably a, a year or two before that. I was working in San Francisco in a, a video post-production house, and one of the people there was a guy my age, or maybe a little older than me. Um, I believe his name was Stephen Haas. Uh, we've um, totally lost contact with him. Um, but who knows, maybe he's out there listening to this podcast. Um, and we were talking movies one day as I like to do with anyone who's willing to talk movies. And he said, have you seen the best years of our lives? And I think I'd heard of it. Um, but I certainly hadn't seen it. And, um, uh, I believe he loaned me a DVD. He had a DVD copy of it and loaned it to me. And I watched it and loved it. And, you know, I mean, how can you not love this movie? How can you not be moved and amused and entertained by it? And so um, I you know, totally lost touch with the guy, but I'm very grateful that he turned me on to this movie. Yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is a classic. And um, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I discovered it when I was doing my video scavenger hunt to see all the Best Picture winners. And, oh yeah, and and sometimes, man, some of those were tough to sit through. 
sometimes they yeah. give the best picture to a film that was undeserving. You try to sit through the greatest show on earth without wanting to put your face into a bandsaw. Oh my God, that's the most important <laughs> film. Cecil B. DeMille made a three-hour movie about the circus with Charlton Heston. Good God. Oh my God. But then the the great thing about that is I also stumbled across this film, which I probably would not have watched as a 21-year-old in New York. But I've rented it and knew nothing about it. Uh, I knew it was about years that were probably the best of their lives. And uh, was or were it. they? I know, I know. It could have been an ironic title. Uh, but a reason I was interested in that, because it won Best Picture, I believe it was the same year as It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. And so I, I may be wrong about that, but I think I'm right. Uh, I Oh, you may be right. You may I, be right. If only there was a device that allowed us to look this stuff up quickly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I remember being like, wow, what did this film? Well, let's go see it. And I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Which by the way also goes, I, I wasn't even going to, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but it's like when people talk about someone being robbed of an Oscar or someone, someone, you know, this person should have won or this person, you know, it's a crime that this person didn't win. It's always important to do your homework to find out what did win. Uh, I'll never forget when Peter O'Toole died a few years ago. Yes. And one of the news people were saying, unbelievable, he did not win an Academy Award for Lawrence of Arabia. I said, that's a crime. So, well, whoever did win, we don't remember that film. Do you know who won that year? No. Gregory Peck for To Kill a Mockingbird. Hmm. That's a good choice. One of the most beloved performances in the history of movies. Yeah. And finally, that would have taken maybe 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you could have said something like, he didn't win that year. He was up against Gregory Packett to kill a mockingbird. Wow. That could have gone either way. Great competition. Right. What a great year of movies. You could have said something like, what a classic year for movies. Both of those came out the same year. Oh, man. What a were two. Either one of them would have been a great choice. But instead, it was, well, obviously, who won? We don't remember. Yeah, actually, we do. Yidiot. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, we are really quick to uh, to go to the outrage rather than uh, finding out the and saying, yeah, yeah, it could have gone either way. Ordinary People was another one for me. When I switch I'm at NYU while Goodfellas is playing in the theaters. Like, Can you believe he didn't win for Raging Bull? Ordinary People won. Yeah, that's a great movie. Hmm. <laughs> Ordinary yeah. People is a great movie. <laughs> you know, it's not like they gave it to, uh, you know, the fish that saved Pittsburgh. You know, <laughs> you know, there happened to be two really great movies that came out that year. So, right, right. I mean, that happens on occasion. So, anyway, a great film that came out this year was the best year of our lives. I brought it back full circle. And um, a quick thing that happens when uh, Frederick March does his little uh, two-step with the Alka-Seltzer thing and he wanders into uh, I guess I got to be a dad right now and wander in to support uh, the um, Myrna Loy and uh, Teresa Wright when he comes in he says what's all this children's hour and there's a little bit of an in joke there because one of the um, movie versions of the children's hour was directed by William Wyler 
Oh, thank you for explaining that. I it, that just seems like such an awkward comment to me, and I figured I'd miss some. Uh, yeah. I know something, uh, and there it is. Yep. Let the record show. I know nothing about the Children's Hour, but I guess that's like a little sort of self-referential wink, like when. Uh, Malcolm McDowell is record shopping in A Clockwork Orange and the soundtrack for 2001 A Space Odyssey is out there to be seen. Yeah, we're doing Best Years of Our Lives and I somehow made a Clockwork Orange reference. I don't know how I did it, but I did it, folks. <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is a scene that is... It's funny, the last minute you brought up the concept of the who is the femme fatale in this film the the wife that stayed you know that he came home to or the homewrecker and the homewrecker is almost always the villain in this situation and in this particular minute Teresa Wright says it, it you know without <laughs> there's no subtlety right it's such a brazen announcement i'm going to break up this marriage yeah and they, and in fact, it's also an edit point. This is one of the few points in this entire scene. And if you, it's a shame we don't have a video because I'm standing up right now. I, I, what I'm feeling is so sorry. I can't sit down. I got to yeah. stand. Yeah. That in this scene that has, in a film that has so many very long takes and, you know, depth of field and Greg Tolan photography, that at this moment, we're going to cut to her. And, it's this just shows there's so much intelligence in this film that when she makes this announcement that not like oh i hope it falls apart or you know i i wish that she would leave him and so he would be available it's like no i'm going to do it i'm going to be the wedge i'm going to be the bad woman and that they cut to her that in this shot when she says that line she's alone She's not framed by her parents. Yeah, no wow. mirrors around her to have her reflect on this. She's by herself. I'm doing this on my own, whether you're in the shot with me or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Yeah. She, when she there's that pause there, and she could be about to say, "I," you know, she says, "I made up my mind." Pause. Cut. And it, it could be that she's about to say, "I'm never going to see him again." And we all go, okay, great. We'll move on and something else will happen. But no, she's going to break up this marriage. Yeah. And also keep in mind the era that this film was being made in. Of all yes. the Hayes Code, like you can't portray right. this, you can't portray that. That's why there's. That's why the rush to the altar was such a huge part in so many of those romances. Because if they got married, that's it. You ain't touching you right. know? And so to say that, to say, I'm going to, I'm going to commit adultery. I'm going to get, make them get a divorce because of adultery with me is the implication. Right. And the, the, the possible is that here is the sweet Peggy and she's basically saying, I'm going to stop them. <laughs> That's right. I'm avoiding the explicit rating of this, but yeah. I'm going to strip that guy. I'm going to ruin that marriage. And man, to that—that that is such a 
I'm using this expression maybe too much, but in this case, it's really applicable. This is a Molotov cocktail. I'm going to just, I'm going to destroy the sanctity of marriage. This is the America that Frederick March came back to, that my little girl is not only no longer a little girl, but she's a homewrecker. Right. Yeah. I want to talk about her dress. Please. She is wearing this black dress. Uh, and there's nothing remarkable. So she's wearing the Kylo Ren dress. <laughs> right. Um, there's nothing remarkable about her dress except the belt or whatever. It looks like I'm going to, I've spent some time looking closely at it. Uh, and it looks like it's just some sort of metallic fabric that's woven onto it. But basically she is wound up in a gold chain Yeah, um, is what it looks like to me. And I, I feel like there must've been some intention of um, let's have her bound with chains or a gold band that could be a wedding ring. Um, there is, uh, it, it, it suggests a, a binding an imprisonment as something to me. Um, and I think it's a really remarkable piece of costuming that, uh, you know, probably early on we all looked at and thought, well, that's just a cute dress that she's wearing on this double date. But, uh, in this scene, it really seems to mean something to me. I think it's, that, that's a great point. It's also, I think it's strange, especially the scenes before when we were in the powder room and, you know, Virginia Mayo is giving her tips of how to make her seem more sexually appealing. Yeah. And that she is very muted. It's not like she's saying, I'm going to be a homewrecker. Well, she's going up against a beautiful woman who knows how to doll herself up and make her look, you know, super sexual. She who all the guys in the army or in the air force with the, uh, with Captain Derry, you know, we're admiring the, the picture of her in a bikini that, you know, she's a, she's a bombshell. Yeah. She, Teresa Wright, very beautiful. She's not a bombshell. Right. <laughs> There's many ways to describe Academy Award winner Teresa Wright. She had won the Oscar for a previous William Wyler film, Mrs. Biniver. But there's no way to look at her and say, oh, man, she's going to be the one to break this marriage. I mean, you, you were right in saying in the previous minute when you were saying these roles were reversed, you would expect that to be cast, that Dana Andrews would be married to someone who looked like Teresa Wright and in walks Virginia Mayo to, to spark something. But no, There's it's the, the complete opposite. Yeah. And the sweet girl who seemed like seems like an adult, seems like she's got a great head on her shoulders, super reliable, all this stuff, is the one to do something that seems so irrational. Yeah. And the great thing that happens in this scene, in this very shot, actually, because as I said, when she makes that announcement, she's alone. And then they cut back to her being framed by her parents and she immediately then goes right back to, oh, I just think he's, you know, he seems so sad. And there's like, she, she goes right back to being kind of this nurturing person. And she's really only this home wrecking harlot for one shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there's, you know, early in the film and the, the, when they all, they all come home, they all go out, meet up at Butch's and get absolutely plastered. And, uh, 
Dana Andrews is so plastered that he has to be brought home yeah. uh, and sleep on Peggy's bed. She has to undress him and sleep on the couch. And uh, she, I forget whether, I think it's, it is before they go to sleep. Um, he sort of wakes up and says, who are you? And she says, I'm Peggy. And he says, oh, Peggy, and tries to embrace her. And she says, I'm not that Peggy. And it's a really funny, cute line early on. And here, she's that Peggy. Yeah, yeah. And she's unleashing the Peggy within, which, by the way, is the name of my self-help book, Unleash the Peggy Within. It's my Anthony Robbins BS book. (laughs) Um, uh, and what happens here as she is like, I'm making a strong, independent uh, decision in my life. And right away, she's, you know, she's framed right back from her mom and dad. And then they cut to where she's only framed with her mom as if she's going to make the appeal to to Myrna Loy, who immediately and and very calmly, I might add, breaks down her whole plan in just a couple of questions like you know sure does he love her do you know that and this shows that her plan isn't really that thought out Mm -hmm. (laughs) it doesn't survive the two basic questions (laughs) and Myrna Loy is doing it in a calm way that is kind of like you know where you know what she's hoping is going to happen is that she is going to ask these questions and she'll come to her senses and it it would be the equivalent of saying, I'm going to go punch that person in the face. Do you really want to punch them in the face? No, you don't just calm down. You know, like she was hoping that like a couple of questions might say, yeah, you're right. I'm just getting, I just had a horrible night. But when she presses on, it's like, I know she doesn't. That's when they cut back to bring Frederick March back into the picture and he stands up and you know he's already he's already thrown it punches towards his boss so he he's he's riled up he's ready to tell the truth to people right and watch Myrna Loy's face and arm as if to say yes, back, yes. back off it's un- I un- love that yeah i feel like Myrna Loy earns her top billing i mean you know she's earned her top billing because she's the most bankable star in the movie that's why she has the top billing. But here she earns that top billing with just that subtle, like that look. There's another great facial expression towards him and the arm up that we barely even notice because, you know, we're kind of focused on Teresa Wright. But that arm and that look is so beautiful. Like, I got this. I am running this conversation here. Yeah. yeah and and also that, that arm up is, is you get, stay your distance. You've made your point, but what I'm doing is going to work. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to point out everything she's doing wrong, and you, you being the guy who causes the ruckus in front of your boss, and mm-hmm. remember that hangover you're currently nursing right now. Uh, right. I got this one. I got this one. And but then she throws Peggy throws to her to Millie. Or Teresa Wright to Myrna Loy's, for those of you who can't remember any of the characters' names. She's a little surprised when it's implied that they've seen each other. Yes. That raises, that changes the narrative. 
you know, of course, Frederick March <laughs> says, like, who do you think you are, God? <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> just, like, going right to the big guns. <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's a phenomenally funny line in some ways, and 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 it sounds right. just out of place, but but you know, Myrna Loy knows that if this is just she she knows she has a crush on the guy, she sees the marriage, she hates the marriage, and she's now flustered and is talking emotionally. That's what she wants it to be. Just have it out now, have it out in the bedroom, cry it out, and you'll find another guy. But if it turns into oh. I've seen him. There's actually actual romantic contact going on here. That's a whole other bag of tomatoes, which right. I don't know if it's an expression or not, but it sounded right. It, and that yeah. raised, ooh, we're having a different conversation if, oh, you have a crush on a guy as opposed to we're seeing each other. That's two yeah. different animals. And it even could have been, you know, in that, I mean, they went out to lunch at a diner in the middle of the day. But we um, know, we know, and the audience knows, and and we and she's Myrna Loy is a little more perceptive that if she says it that way, it isn't just they had lunch at the soda jerk. Exactly, exactly. And the kind of the whole purpose of this particular scene, as it goes on to the next minutes, is to look at it and say, hey. Uh, guess what? Your stable parents, who you you look at as these pillars of, as the, you know, as these rocks, uh, we've been through this too, right? And that's such a beautiful little uh, uh, monologue or yeah. whatever it is from Marilou that you know. Well, that comes yeah. up, and she tr- says it to him. It's in yeah. the next minute. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and that's uh, sadly where we leave off here because mm-hmm. we're going to move on to the next minutes. But, I mean, these are two really great minutes filled with just, I mean, on the surface, if you're barely paying attention, it's it's a scene in a bedroom and a scene in a, re- in a restaurant. But one of the great things about a movie like this and why it's such a great film to break down like this is there's so much love and detail when you have a great director like William Wyler you have great actors. You have a one of the great cinematographers of all time. Yes. And, you know, it's funny. I, I forget who said it. It may have been Gene Siskel when they were going through an Oscar, uh, some Oscar uh, special that they were doing. And then he was talking about why the Oscar for Best Cinematography always frustrated him. Because he felt that they would always give it to films that had big sweeping vistas and not to films that were being very creative in their cinematography. This film was not nominated for best cinematography. Wow. Wow. Do you know what other film was not nominated for best cinematography? The Godfather. Really? Yeah. And when, I mean, I'm going to go right now, I'm not going to pull the, uh, the Peter O'Toole thing here. Uh, I will tell you what the nominees for cinematography that year. Um, okay, there were there was the Yearling, the Jolson story, the Green Years, and Anna and the King of Siam, which of course was a costume epic, which later became the the King and I. But uh, yeah. 
I'm, you know, I haven't seen the film. Who knows? I might be blown away by seeing Rex Harrison as an Asian king. I might think it's a great, great movie. But uh, I, I guarantee you this film should have made the top five. Absolutely, yeah. And right. it's a, it's an example. Like, there was, like, I mean, I think it was the year that Ed Wood had just this beautiful black and white cinematography and it wasn't nominated. And the film that won was Legends of the Fall, which are all these sweeping shots of horses. Hmm. And it's like, no, it's, best cinematography isn't prettiest scenery. Right, right. And the photography in this film, the use of depth of field, the use of light is so beautiful that... The use of mirrors. Yeah, the mirror. I mean, the scene in the powder room, the mirrors work is off the charts. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but even in, in all these bedroom scenes, there are so many things that just lovely little things done with mirrors. Yeah. Well, lovely little things done with mirrors is going to be the name of my next podcast. But for right <laughs> now, I'm going to sadly say goodbye to Brother Scott Michael. But Brother Scott Michael, where can people follow you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at brscottmichael.com, Brother Scott Michael. And I'm on WordPress at brscottmichael.wordpress.com. All right. And for everyone else, you could follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And you can continue to listen to Locked On MLB. Uh, even in the offseason, we're going to be talking baseball. And if you want to hear my previous movie-by-minute podcast, that's Bull Durham Minute, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us, this podcast, at Butch's Place, the Best Years of Our Lives Listeners Cafe on Facebook and on Twitter at The Best Minutes. This has been Minute 123 of The Best Years of Our Lives. And join us tomorrow for the next episode of The Best Minutes Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.